0: Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message.
1: So today we will be reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21.
2: Father, we would ask in these next few moments that you give us just enough clarity and focus to hear one thing you may want to say to us, especially from this passage. Amen. I'm humbled to be here this morning. So, you know, I've been on staff with actually this church in the past. And there's two Sundays out of the year. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving and the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's. That when you're a utility speaker and you get asked to speak, you're like, okay, they were thinking about canceling the service, but they figured if they could find someone, you know, they would have services. So, it, it really. So, I, although, again, I am it, it, truly humbled... When I heard, I watched the video of what happened last Sunday and I found it to be very touching and moving. And when I just now heard that Alex Gowler went in for a hug, uh, I knew how powerful the morning was. So, uh, a miracle took place. And for what my assigned message was supposed to be this morning, I'm actually going to cover that a little bit. I think it's supposed to be uh, Kingdom Purpose I'll give you a different title, I think the title this morning is actually, How God Keeps a Revival Going. And I do believe actually that in this passage that we just read in Ephesians chapter 3, God can say one thing to each and every one of us, whether or not you're a new follower of Jesus or whether like me you've been following him for very many decades, that God can say one thing to you, okay? that's going to strengthen us and continue the work that he's begun. All right? So uh, I got a text uh, just after 9 o'clock on Thanksgiving evening, and it was from one of the staff pastors. You could figure out who he is because he's not here today. And uh, he could have just said, hey... You know, if you get this message before midnight, you know, I'll still be up, give me a call, I want to talk to you. But actually, it was 9.15, I have it on my phone. It read, if you're still awake. <laughs> I mean, I had already slept from one to four after the turkey. <laughs> I mean, I was going to be up till midnight. But here's what he wanted to do. And, 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 I, and I took this to heart. He said, hey, Joel, you know you're a challenger and you bring a lot of intensity and uh, if you haven't seen the video, watch what happened last week because we need a round of encouragement. So let me just tell you, my, my encouraging you comes out as challenge, but I'm encouraging you because I, I feel very deeply about what we're going to talk about. It's tremendously important to me. Tremendously important. Okay? So... Let's just get to it. And they say I have 27 minutes. I'm going to cut that down. I'm not going to be Dave and, like, strip the whole thing, but I could, like, rip an inch off the bottom of my nose. Um, so work with me here. One of the things I have going for me this morning is uh, we're not going to talk about something really complicated and complex. You know, if you wanted to understand quantum physics and you were highly educated and maybe had a college degree and really smart, It probably is going to take you six months to a year just to understand the basics of quantum physics. Whereas what we're talking about today is so simple and profound, a child or someone with no education could hear it and understand and respond, and God could pierce their heart and redirect their inner being and transform their life. So, we're going to talk about something very simple and very profound. That if we can bring focus and energy from our own life to this one simple thing, God can use it to keep it going here. We are going to talk about one of the truest truths about God. And as a result, I hope you will have clarity on your purpose in your life and you will be motivated. To faithfully fulfill that purpose that God has for you. So it was very inspiring and moving watching the replay from last week. And on the one hand, in all of the energy and the emotion, uh, that can fade away. But what God is intending, especially if you were baptized last week, is that you're making a public Profession, a public confession of your faith in Jesus so that you become a lifelong follower of Jesus. And so, the, and so your moment of baptism is just a public marker of God restoring his kingdom purpose in you. That's one way of understanding what baptism is, is that God is restoring his kingdom purpose in you and you are making a public association with that work that God is doing. So sometimes the risk in thinking about our kingdom purpose or living on, on mission, we take kingdom purpose to mean I need to live on mission and then we take that to mean I need to do more, which you may need to do more, but actually uh, sometimes doing more isn't the best thing. If you, if you kind of know the difference like, between working smarter and working harder, doing more isn't necessarily the better thing to do. Maybe the better thing to do is doing something from a position of strength. Now, if you think about this word strength and just let your mind start going back to what we read about in Ephesians chapter three, you'll see why that's our passage for the morning. And so I'd like to revisit the foundation, this is in Ephesians chapter three, on which all of our doing rests. The foundation on which all of our doing rests. So I could have spoken... From And I think this is what maybe Dave and the staff were expecting from Matthew 28, where the Great Commission stated, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the Great Commission, there is a statement of kingdom purpose. But not if you don't understand it right, you actually can bring a lot of uh, destruction into your life. And here's what I mean. You can misunderstand the Great Commission as telling you that there's certain jobs that are bad to have in this world, or there's only good jobs and better jobs, and the best jobs are those maybe where you're in ministry. Those would be distortions of the Great Commission. Or if you read the Great Commission as saying uh, it's wrong to make money, or, if it, or, or you read it as saying it's wrong to make a lot of money, those aren't in the Great Commission, see, And sometimes they actually take the Great Commission to mean, hey, I need to force myself to make a disciple even if the person's unwilling. And they make the Great Commission into a weapon, okay? And so making disciples is something, sometimes we think of making disciples or fulfilling the Great Commission as something we do to earn God's favor. And that's not the case either. But actually for most of us, making disciples is something we avoid doing because we're embarrassed by our own hypocrisy and duplicity of spirit. And so we just disengage. We just, and, 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 and we felt the roots of that even in some of our testimony. We don't seem worthy. Well, we're not worthy. I mean, we're not worthy of owning a piece of the Great Commission. We're not worthy of engaging in that, so to speak, except what did Alex tell us at the beginning of this series? God already did it all. See, God already did it all. And so if you don't have that part of the foundation right, you are going to be engaging in a way that brings harm to your life, not accomplishes what God has set out for you in terms of his purpose. So sometimes the duplicity, I, I call it the duplicity of spirit that's being double-minded. That's where part of me wants to and enjoys being a child of God. And part of me wants to be self-directed and do my own thing. And I think we all live in that tension. And some of us do better on one side than the other. Okay. And then sometimes it swings to the other side and we're deeply mired in selfishness and a form of human ingenuity that the Bible calls pride. Okay. And those are things that uh, disengage us. And then we t- so we take faith and we p- try and put it in a manageable box. And, a- and again, this is going to be the challenging part of what I'm going to say here. Briefly, is sometimes a high moment like last week. We want to just put that in a box where we just repeat the emotion of the day, and we don't want it to translate into a lifelong following or an inward change. So I'm going to talk about that part here. And so what if the Great Commission, which I do think captures our kingdom purpose, is actually the fulfillment of the Great Commandment. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Well, that's what I was supposed to talk about, was how the Great Commission flows out of the Great Commandment. But we want to go even one step further back to the foundation here. One of the ways that we find our kingdom purpose is is look at the fruit of what's happening in your inner being. And I'm gonna use that language because it's what's in Ephesians chapter three. And let me just ask you this question. Can you even relate to this question? Do you know what activates your inner being? I mean, are you aware of your inner being, that you have one and that things in this life activate it? And typically your, your inner being is either agitated or it's awakened, okay? It's agitated or it's awakened. And when our inner being gets activated, we actually are seeking our purpose, okay? Our inner being is what supplies motivation, energy, and direction to our life. And so sometimes our inner being gets gets agitated and we uh, go on a quest or a desire for riches or maybe notoriety or fame or maybe we have too great of a need for acceptance or the acceptance and approval of others or we look for success, we, we look to be loved, or maybe it's actually to love well. That's actually a positive reflection of a healthy inner being, or to providing care for others, or we sh- look for stability and peace in our life, or there's other things that our inner being an agitated inner being can cause us to do. I would suggest that depression and anxiety are actually desperate cries from our inner being to find longing for meaning. Let me read that again. Depression and anxiety, I think those are two great addictions today, are cries from our inner being longing to find purpose and meaning. A hint, anxiety is a hint that what is activating our inner being, is agitating, and that we are not awakening to what is truly fulfilling and satisfying. All right, let's take a quick look at Ephesians chapter 3. I said beforehand that this passage is so good, you should commit it to memory. You could. It's that powerful and significant. All right, so let me just walk you through. I'm going to leave a lot hanging on these verses, but I'm gonna call out a few things that I think if God plants a seed, he can redirect your life in this moment if you take this to heart. So here's here's what Paul says. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family on earth in heaven and on earth is name. And that's worth its own message to understand what's the power of God's fatherhood and family and how family's different than business and organization and occupation and all those other things that how God's name or his fame and glory is exercised through family and family of relationships. But here's what he says, that according to the riches, so not according to the poverty or not according to the stinginess of God but actually according to the riches of God's glory he may listen to the statement he may grant you to be strengthened through power in your inner being so Paul says I pray that God may strengthen you with power in your inner being so here's what I want you to think about did you know that your inner being can either be strong or weak we don't like to think that but if If Paul's praying that God can strengthen us in our inner being, he's only going to strengthen those who are weak. So before we're strengthened, we can be weak in our inner being. And remember, our inner being is what directs our motivations and our energies and our thought life, okay? You can be weak in your inner being, but you can also be strong if you let God strengthen you. So, that according to the riches of his glory, he may he may grant you to be strengthened, God's doing the work, with power through his spirit in your inner being for this result, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now listen to this. That being rooted and grounded in love, so that's a, that would be a great result, right? That we'd be strengthened to the point of being rooted and grounded in the love of God. That's still only the starting point. That's not the ending point. That's the starting point. Because here's the greater result that grows out of being rooted and grounded in love. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you know that God's love for you has dimensions Just pause and reflect on that. I'm actually going to ask you to pull out a piece of paper and just start writing something down in in about 30 seconds. But uh, one way to understand this idea of dimension is that look in your world of relationships and the people you know and you're close to. You have lots of one-dimensional friendships, right? So like as a guy, I have some sports friends and I have some workout friends and I have some fishing friends um, and I have some cigar friends And I have some other friends that fall under different categories. And I say they're one-dimensional because as long as I'm on a bike ride, we can get in some interesting conversations. But as soon as we're out of that one dimension, the relationship doesn't carry over into the other areas of my life. Okay? So that's how you can understand dimensionality in relationships. Which is what's so fascinating. What does Paul do then when he picks out these four dimensions? Breadth, length, height, and depth. What's he doing? Is he saying there's just four dimensions to God's love for us? No, what he's actually doing is saying every imaginable dimension God's love for you touches. And he picks out four because that's what our mind can do is calculate in four dimensions, right? Up, down, sideways, front, and back, see? So by picking out four dimensions, what he's actually saying is God's love is so significant it can touch every dimension of your relational being. So here's here's my my question, and we're kind of racing through this, but what dimensions of God's love are you aware of in your inner being? And you can start writing something down because I'm just gonna read a list. When I asked myself this question, here's what I came up with in it was about four minutes, but you might have a longer list. Here's what God's love can do in your life. It can lift you out of dark times. It can shine light in dark places. God's love can unlock your door. It can fill your tank. It can change your perspective. It can increase your impact. God's love can expose your motives. It can guide your next step. It can inform your next decisions. God's love can free you from your past. You know, there's a hint of truth in every one of these from my own life. You realize that, right? God's love can rewrite your regrets, can lift you to new heights, it can straighten your path, it can widen your lane, it can cool your temper. God's love can lengthen your reach, God's love exposes your motives, reframes your expectations, widens your lane, softens the curves. Life throws at you, deepens your understanding of others, deepens your understanding of yourself, brings your whole life into focus, clarifies your purpose, lengthens your vision, sharpens your focus. Those are just some of the dimensions of God's love that I've received from him. Our kingdom purpose, here's your point of clarity, our kingdom purpose is to explore the magnitude of God's love for us in such a way that we tune our whole life, our whole way of living to that reality, which necessarily means that we share Jesus anywhere and everywhere because I'm always looking for a new dimension of his love in every second circumstance of my life. There's a song in, uh, a line in a Matt Redman song. I think he's an amazing worship poet. And it's the song when all is said and done. And the line goes like this. As I walk this broken world, this is his heartfelt cry to God. Tune my life to heaven's song for I am yours. So my inner being is awakened to God and my outer being is conformed to the new shape of my inner being. I read a really, in fact, I'm going to pull it up. This was amazing, actually. Very touching to me because it's a a relative. It's my granddaughter's great-great-great-grandfather. Do you know what relation he is to me? He's my great-grandfather. My granddaughter's great-great-great, my son's great-great, my great, my dad's grandfather. He died many, many decades before I was born. He was born in the 1873 in, at the French-German border. Lived a very quiet life. And I stumbled onto this writing about him. And here is a statement. Which again, captures what our kingdom purpose is. So he lived in a small, town, a small farm town in central Illinois of a couple thousand people. Died in 1946. After his death, in the week following his death, so you have to think about, now, you know, we live in the world of internet, so everyone finds out everything right away, and we all have multiple cards, and it's easy to get around. This man, after he died, 700 people over the course of the next week showed up at my great grandmother's house to pay condolences to her, because he touched their lives so deeply, okay? Okay. Here's his simple statement. How it got recorded, I don't know. And I'm like, oh man, I hope his DNA's in me. Because here's the statement he made. Here's the statement he made, which I tell you is a way of talking about our kingdom purpose without using religious language. And he's quoted here. Here's what it says. Friendships supplemented by Christian kindness in the intercourse of mankind are preferable to riches. Isn't that a great redirecting statement? That actually, so our kingdom purpose is in exploring all the dimensions of God's love for me, that would carry me into friendships with others, both Christian and non-Christian. And then I love the provision he makes here where it's like if friendship's not possible because the other person's a little bit difficult, then what? Then Christian kindness rules the day. See? Why? So that we stay in the relationship. Let me read that for you one more time. Friendship, supplemented by Christian kindness in the intercourse of mankind, are preferable to riches. So uh, this is this was crazy. I was I, I I almost did it. I didn't quite have what I wanted in kind of cash in an envelope, but I was going to make a wager with God. This is the challenging part of me, okay? And it, and it was uh, it's not a very smart wager, and it's here was the wager. The reason it wasn't a smart wager was because if God won the bet, he would get the money that I was going to put on the line. And if God lost the bet, I didn't gain anything. So, I mean, it was going to be a dumb wager. But here's, here's what the wager was. Here's the challenge. I wondered what it would be like if, like, say, 200 people in our church family and I would say every day for the next year, but you take one day a week off. So let's just say 300 times in the next year would actually focus on, and like deliberately in their inner being, right, focus on some dimension of God's love and call that to mind and try and explore it and understand it more deeply. See? Because here's what I know. So what would, be, what would be too often? I mean, how often should we reflect on God's love for us? Right? I mean, you could do it like Christmas and Easter, maybe the 4th of July, let's just throw in another holiday. Or Thanksgiving, there you go. Or, or maybe once a month, or once a week, or every day, or hourly. Right? What would be too often? And I would say, well, it just depends On whether or not you want to be weak or strong because that's the power in the verse we just said that if you want to be strong God strengthens us in our inner being so that we understand the dimensions of his love for us in new ways all the time and if you're okay being weak then my suggestion is just forget about this message and don't give this another thought but if you want to be strong God will restore his kingdom purpose in you. He will lift your relationships with others, and he will bring you into the lives of people he's calling to be his children too. So I, I, I am willing to do the wager. Uh, it was actually going to be $5,000. I was going to do $5,000 to the Give Hope campaign. If a year from now, 200 people brought me like a sheet of paper front and back, filled in... Every little nook and cranny, their 300 different statements where they reflected on some dimension of God's love for them. So I'll put that out there. I'll do the $5,000, but it's, it's a year, and honestly, we all live so distracted. I, I just don't think we can do it. But I mean, uh, but here's what I know. You, you guys are like, oh no, we want to get the $5,000 from Joel. Ah, here's what I know. If God actually did this, okay? Well, we would actually have more than enough money to get the building project going, okay, right? I mean, we would, I don't know how long the line would be for the baptisms, see? God would do, and it says that in verse 20, right? Who's able to do way more than we can even imagine. I mean, God would take this and make us a whole brand new people, So, if what God did last Sunday was really real, and if we are a different family than we were a month ago, what could it look like a year from now if we become the people who live in God's strength, Ephesians 3 14 through 21, rather than the self inflicted weakness that we tend to bring on ourselves? All right. I don't know how we're going to land the plane. I wish we had more time to sing, actually, but uh, maybe we'll do that next hour. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Alex can come up and dismiss us. Father, let just your word to us in Paul in just this simple statement in Ephesians chapter 3. Can we let you, would you come in and make us strong in our inner being so that our whole life is tuned to the song and chorus of heaven? Can we be that people? We pray for that earnestly. Amen.
0: You guys please stand. And as we dismiss today, I can think of no better way than to pronounce the words uh, that we just heard about over us as a benediction. So whatever you came into this place with, we want you to leave with a blessing. So will you please open your hands in a posture of receiving and receive this from your Hope Collective family and from the Lord. We pray that out of his glorious riches, the God who made you who loves you and has invited you into relationship with himself through his son, Jesus. May he strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And we pray that you, being rooted and established in love, unshakable in the love that God has for you, that you will have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, than all that we can ask or even imagine. According to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week, Coco. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.